Amen. It's good to be in the sweet presence of the Spirit of God, isn't it? Glad to be in this place today. Glad that you've chosen to be with us as well. Uh, we hated missing last week because of all that was going on, and I know that uh, you were safe. You're back today. Thank God for that. And uh, Tallahassee really dodged a bullet. You know, it could have been a lot worse, but we thank God for that. And thank you so much for the prayer for the folks downstate and other places that have been affected by uh, what has happened with the, with the storm. But we're glad that you are here with us today. Today we observe the Lord's Supper. It's not just a routine and a tradition. It's a very special, meaningful worship experience in the life of a church. Growing up in the South, I know what supper is. It's always in the evening, all right? We used to have dinner at lunch and supper at night. And so it was the Lord's Supper, and I grew up in a place where we always had the Lord's Supper at night. And we discovered some years ago that it didn't have to be that way. You could have it in the morning, and I thank God for that. And so we've, uh, we've, we've done that through the years, and thank God for that. But I want to tell you a, a situation that happened some years ago when I was pastor in Lake City. Uh, we had a lady there who was from India. Her husband was, an, uh, was from India as well. He was a Hindu. She had grown up in that Hindu culture as well. But some years earlier, earlier, she had come to know Jesus as her Savior and had gotten very involved in a church there. When he, when he was called to be a, a doctor here in the United States and they moved to this country, uh, she continued on going to church. But she could only go on Sunday mornings. Her husband would not allow her to go nor take their two boys on Sunday evening. She could not go on Wednesday evening only on Sunday morning. That's all he would let her go. Very much in control of that situation in their family. And uh, we had them in our home one Sunday uh, for lunch and got to meet him. And they brought some of their Indian dishes. Boy, if you've ever had curry, it's really good. Uh, but it's tight. So anyway, we had them there. But one Sunday morning, uh, we observed the Lord's Supper in our church there at Parkview in Lake City. After the service was over... She came down to me, tears literally flowing down her cheeks. She said, oh, pastor. She says, I've been a Christian now for over 10 years. Today was the first day that I had the privilege of experiencing the Lord's Supper. Thank you so much. I just joined her in, in her tears. Such a special time. Something that is not just a tradition that we do. Something that is not just a, a routine. Something that has meaning. Something that has purpose. What a tremendous experience she gave me that day when she reminded me what this is really all about. Special time to remember what our Lord has done for us. The, the writing says, do this in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. As you do these things, remember what I have done for you. This morning, I want us to look back at a passage that we used last time. We observed the Lord's Supper. And just take a few verses there and look at some things to remember as we observe the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord... That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, The cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One of the reasons that we do this is to remember a very painful crucifixion. A very painful crucifixion. Remember these two statements from Jesus. This is my body, which is for you. When he suffered on the cross, we can't even imagine the extreme excruciating pain that he experienced. When he poured out his blood and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When he did those things, we cannot even imagine that experience. Many of you may have seen uh, the movie that Mel Gibson did several years ago, The Passion of the Christ. If you saw that, let, let me see. Did you, did you see that? Several of you did. I, I showed a clip of that in our church some years ago, right after it came out and we were at a time like this. And uh, it showed some of the, the awful experience that Jesus went through. But even Mel Gibson, as best as he could, with all the, the, the resources of Hollywood and what they do, uh, they could not possibly express to us in those few minutes what Jesus experienced in that, 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 that arrest that was so wrong, in that, that kangaroo court that was so wrong, in the beating that he took that was so wrong, in having to carry that cross that was so wrong, and having his hands nailed to that cross and his feet and that crown of thorns pressed down on his head and, and all the, the blood and the gore and the, and the awfulness that was there. It cannot possibly express to us what he experienced. The Journal of American Medicine uh, came out some years ago, uh, JAMA they call it, in an article and it was telling about what the effects of being tortured and nailed to a cross would have been. The pain, the scourging, the nails, the thorns, all that excruciating pain and compounded by the thud of that cross when it was lifted up and, and fell into that hole in the ground. The, the, the effort that it would take to try to breathe when you could not get a breath. We cannot even imagine what Jesus experienced on that cross for us that day. None of us know the agony that he endured for us. No, this is not just a routine. This is not just a tradition that we do on a Sunday occasionally. This is a time to remember the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ because we do not want to forget the price that he paid for us sinners who have missed the mark of what God has called us to be, what God created us to be. And we've missed it. And because we missed it, he took our sin debt in his own body on the cross and suffered to show us what sin is really about. I remember some years ago, people were saying, why, why is Christianity such a bloody religion? Why is it such a bloody religion? People talk about blood all the time. Down there at the church, the blood of Christ. And they, and they talk about all this stuff. And it's too gory. Why do they talk about things like this? Folks, I think it's this. We have to understand what sin really is. Sin is always against a holy God. Sin is against pure love in all of its essence. 
Sin is always against pure righteousness in all of its essence. Sin is always against pure holiness in all of its essence. Sin is against purity in all of its essence. And every time we sin, we sin against God who is purity of love, purity of holiness, purity of righteousness, purity of justice, purity of everything that is right and good. Every sin is against Him. And I think He wants us to understand how awful sin is. And so He came and took our place on that cross. And yes, it was a bloody, gory mess. And a man suffering in agony. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We need to remember what Jesus did for us. We sing a hymn, O sacred head, how wounded. We can't even imagine how wounded it would have been. We used to sing a, a chorus, Brother Larry, sometimes uh, uh, above all. And in that chorus, it would say, crucified, laid behind a stone. You took the fall for all of us. Crucified, like a rose trampled on the ground. You took the fall and thought of me above all. I used to have a man sang in my choir fellowship. And every time we would sing that chorus, I would always look at him. Because I knew that when we sang that song, Tears would begin to stream down his cheeks. And that would always cause mine to kind of come as we remembered he was crucified, crushed like a rose trampled on the ground. Someone has said that when you crush a rose, then you release the essence of the fragrance of that rose. Oh, when Jesus was crushed for us, it released the essence of the love of God for you and me. This is not a tradition that we just do. It's not a routine. It's a time to remember a very painful, agonizing crucifixion that Jesus endured for us so that we could be saved. Are we thankful today that Jesus did that for us? Oh, amen. Are we glad that he was willing to take that kind of punishment so that you and I can be saved. When we take this bread and we take this cup, we need to take that and just for a few moments of quietness as the men share that with us later on this morning, we need to reflect on our life and what Jesus did for us and what we did to cause him to have to do that for us and remember a very painful, agonizing crucifixion. But we also... Remember today a very precious connection. Jesus went through all that suffering for you and me, and he did it because we missed the mark of what God would have us to be. And we're sinners against God and have been condemned to eternal death in the place of eternal punishment without what Christ has done for us. And, uh, but Jesus loved us enough. He was willing to take that punishment of sin for us and that his death would take the place of eternal death for us. And when that took the place of eternal death for us, then it means that our sins could be forgiven and we would have a brand new, a brand new connection with Him. Because He has said that, that whenever I am crucified for you and, and, and my sin, your sin debt is paid by my blood and my death on the cross and I raise in resurrection power, I go back to my Father, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is going to be me with you. 
And that's going to be a brand new connection of how wonderful that's going to be. I want us to take a little look at, the great, at a great passage from the book of John. Jesus had fed 5,000 men, the scripture says. And uh, recorded in chapter 6, and the Jews had begun, uh, the Jews of the day had begun to grumble against Jesus. Here he had just fed 5,000 men. We know that story. And afterwards, they began to grumble against him. And Jesus was thinking, and he began to say to them, Well, I think that you're grumbling because uh, you, you want me to just keep on giving you this food and giving you this food, and you want three square meals a day and not have to work for it and whatever you. And that's what's going on in, in, the, in the thought process here. And so they're grumbling against what Jesus has just done. But in that passage, there's something else that comes out that I think is tremendously important that we need to look at and we want to see. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 51, you want to read along with me. He says this, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of the truly, truly passages, verily, verily, in English and Latin, truly, truly, Jesus doesn't have to repeat something twice in order for it to be true. He can say it one time and it's true. But when he repeats himself, I think he wants us to really pay attention. He's saying, listen to this. This is important. This is not, none of what he says can be taken lightly. But folks, pay attention to this. This you need to internalize deeply into yourself. Truly, truly, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. He goes on. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down uh, out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. Folks, this is not cannibalism. This is not Jesus saying you have to literally eat my flesh and internalize me. You do not have to literally go and find my blood and drink it down. There are those who tell us today that when they experience this, then it really becomes the flesh of Jesus. No, it becomes the blood of Jesus. No, what is Jesus trying to say to us in this? What Jesus is trying to say to us is this. You have to internalize myself into you if you want to really know who I am. How do we internalize Jesus into ourselves? We say, Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross. You died there that my sin may be forgiven. You, gave, you, you suffered that agonizing, painful crucifixion death in order that I might be forgiven of my sin. And then you went to the grave, you resurrected from the dead, you lived today, and you said, I will send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be in, in you. And so what I expect you to do is internalize me into yourself, 
and you will be a child of God. And that is a connection that is, a, that, is, that is once again established between us and God. And when we trust Christ as our Savior, He comes inside of us and we now live by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God living in us day in and day out. A connection, if you will, back with the Holy God who is our Creator, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. What a precious connection that we now have. We want to remember that. In Colossians, as Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, when we accept him, he says it this way. He says, now he is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. What a connection that has been established because of his crucifixion, his death, his burial. His resurrection. When we receive this wafer and this cup today, symbolizing the broken body of Christ and the shed blood, it's not just a tradition. It's not a routine. It's an opportunity to say, thank you, Lord. And I remember you died for me. And I remember you did it so you could establish a precious connection that you and I can be together throughout our life. But there's another thing that I think we ought to remember today, and that is a promised coming. A promised coming. When he says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I don't remember if I told you what Vance Havner used to say, old Vance Havner, tremendous preacher of the Word of God pastored a church in Charleston, South Carolina for some years and then became an evangelist. And uh, I remember when I was in seminary, we had Vance Havner come and preach a revival for us there on campus, tremendous preacher. Little bitty, diminutive kind of guy, just a little small guy. Had a kind of a tang in his voice and high-pitched voice. Sounded kind of like this, didn't he, Larry? Yeah. But my goodness, that man could preach. Oh, he could preach. And I remember him saying, when people ask me what time it is, I tell them it's until. <laughs> it's until Jesus comes. I'm thinking, boy, how true that is. You think about that and you let that get inside for a minute. And every moment we live, we live in the until, until Jesus comes back. And we're looking forward to his coming. And he said, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, there you can be also. A promised coming. He's coming again for his people. Great passage entirely based in, in Holy Scripture. A great promise based entirely in Holy Scripture. And we can enjoy that together for just a moment here this morning. I want to share some passages of Scripture with you that uh, Jesus promised that after his death there would be a time when he and his followers would enjoy this meal with him in, in that new place in heaven when he said this, in verse 29 of Matthew 26, he says, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He said, I'm not doing this again. You're doing this in remembrance of me, but I'm not doing it again. But one of these days, when we're all together in the Father's kingdom, we're going to enjoy the fellowship of the shed blood of Christ and what it meant to us 
and what it's done for us. And now we have eternal life with him in his presence. Ooh, what a blessing that will be. He also promised to come and, and to get his followers in John chapter 14. You know the passage well. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. That's the words of Jesus. He promised us that. Has he ever broken a promise? Never. Will he start now? No. Is he coming again? Yes. When's it going to be? You don't know and I don't know. But we live in the until, Brother Tommy, until he comes. And every day, that's what time it is. It's until Christ comes. When he ascended back into heaven after his resurrection, his angels left a message for us. The men were there kind of looking to see what was going on. And in Acts 1 verse 9, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He's coming. He's coming again. He promised it. He shared it with us all through his, his word. It will happen in Revelation chapter 22. Closing verses of the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Promised coming. He is coming. Remember, as you receive that wafer in that cup this morning, in the quietness of those moments, not looking around at who's doing what, not thinking about the person next to you or the one in front of you or behind you or around you, but thinking about yourself and what Jesus has done that you may have life. And remember what he suffered. Remember that because you've trusted him as your savior, you have a precious connection with the living God who is with you every moment of every day. And he said, I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. That's going to be a glorious day. That's going to be a glorious day. Yes, this is more than just a routine and a tradition. It's a very special, meaningful worship experience in the life of our church. And now as our deacons come to take their places, we begin to we prepare to serve this morning. I know that as they come, you're going to want to let these moments be very, just very quiet, special moments as you think about what the Lord has done. Through the years, I've taken this opportunity while the, the men are, are sharing the, the elements for the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup. I've always taken these, this time just to, just to reflect 
about something of our relationship between me and, and the Lord. And I've always thought, Lord, what is there something special that you want to give me today as, as a part of something that reminds me again of our relationship, something you've done for me, something that's special just between you and me. And through these years, the Lord has never failed to just do that. Something special, something new. And so as we share this time together this morning, and as, we, as these men share with you the, the elements in just a few moments, take this time to be very quiet and to, to just think about something that the Lord may give to you today that's special in your relationship with Him. I believe He'll do it. And when you leave here today, you'll say, Boy, this is not just a routine. This is not just a tradition. I'm going to remember what he's done for me. I'm going to thank him for that precious connection that he and I have. And I'm going to look forward with great anticipation to his coming again to receive us to himself. What a blessing that will be.